This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that allows you to control and manage your own healthcare and choose any doctor or hospital in the nation. If you're a freedom-loving American looking for contract-free healthcare, call now, 855-585-4237, or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT for more information, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us. You may have been one of many Americans who were alarmed recently by some statements that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made in a video that's been making the rounds online discussing the political trajectory in the age of COVID-19. Trudeau said this, building back better means getting support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the SDGs. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Now, right away, a number of people started to pick up on that word reset. Why? Because of what the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, has called the Great Reset, which was announced back in June. What is the Great Reset? Well, the World Economic Forum explains it on its own website. For example, it says in light of uncertain economic conditions that could result from the pandemic, quote, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. So what are we dealing with here? Nothing less than a dismantling of capitalism in favor of technocracy. Now, we need to understand this. And so I'm really, really glad to have with us again today, economist and financial analyst Patrick Wood, editor-in-chief of Technocracy News and Trends. He's a leading and critical expert on sustainable development, green economy, Agenda 21, 2030 Agenda, and historic technocracy. His books include Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and Trilaterals Over Washington, Volumes 1 and 2, which he co-authored with the late Anthony C. Sutton, and he approaches all of these issues with a biblical worldview. So, Pat, great to welcome you back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And you just articulated perfectly well. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, I I know this is very confusing for a lot of people. When they ask you, since you know so much about this subject, when they say, what is the Great Reset? What is the standard answer that you would give to that question? I'll give you some synonyms uh, that people can kind of help people to relate to what's going on with the so-called Great Reset. You'll hear the phrase, by the way, always associated with us now, building back better. Yes. Um, Joe Biden is using this phrase now. This phrase originated at the World Economic Forum in conjunction with um, this new Great Reset. Now, here's here's a synonym. Um, the Green New Deal. Everybody's heard of that now. Right. It's AOC and, and uh, you know, several members of Congress now are talking about the Green New Deal. Going to get rid of all that bad brown economy and, you know, get in new stuff. Well, here's another synonym, sustainable development. Hmm. 
This is a term used by the United Nations that uh, uh, refers to their resource-based economic system um, that they have been pushing for uh, at least since 1992. Uh, actually, there's history behind that, but that's where they got involved. Um, and that's a big, that is really kind of the same exact thing as the Great Reset. Um, the fact that somebody like a Klaus Schwab is standing up at World Economic Forum and talking about this now openly to all of the corporate world, that is the, the Siemens and the GEs and the IBMs, and of course the governments of the world send their ministers to these meetings in Davos every year. Uh, the fact that they are articulating this great reset means two things. Number one, capitalism uh, is expected to be burned to the ground. That's the first thing. The second thing, this so-called great reset, and as it says, building back better. Well, what does that mean? Well, you build back better when your house burns down. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 The only way to build back better. And this is what they are looking at. They're looking for the complete collapse and destruction of the economic system that we have today based on free market economics. And they're looking at this managed economic system called sustainable development. Uh, it will be brought about by the Great Reset. It's a uh, uh, direct synonym is uh, the Green New Deal, rebuilding society from the ground up to be, quote unquote, sustainable. And all of that wrapped into one big giant ball of thought is technocracy, hmm. because that's what it really is at the core. That's where it came from. That was the genesis of this whole mess. Right. And I'm, I'm not surprised to see it where it is today, but I've been talking about this for oh so many years, Janet. I just can't tell you. You have. You have. Don't you hate being right sometimes? I mean, this is just depressing as all get out to see this happening. And the other thing is that when a lot of people see, you mentioned Siemens, for example, or you think of big tech, Zuckerberg and Dorsey and all of these big tech giants who are engaging in this censorship and more and more of that is taking place. The first question I think many people would have is, why would all of these big successful capitalists want to get in on this? Why Why wouldn't they be fighting that? That's easy, because they're technocrats. Technocrats don't think like other people, whether they have money or not. Money means very little to them, except that it allows them to achieve their objectives. They're looking for this ultimate utopia that's going to be you know, built on what, you know, they look at sustainable development or whatever they want to call it. They look at this as some type of utopia system that's coming, and it's going to be run by big tech. So, you know, they're going to accrue all of the financial rewards of being involved with the whole thing and, and running it and driving it. But what it's going to, where it's going to lead us is straight into scientific dictatorship where everything's run by AI. Yes. Just like in China. Yes. And this is, a, this is where these people are setting in. And I dare people, we wasted so much time fighting communism and socialism and fascism all these years. Um, I just defy people to look at somebody like an Elon Musk or... Uh, or a Jeff Bezos or um, an Eric Schmidt and call them a communist. I just dare you. You can't do it. That's because they're not communists. Yeah. They're technocrats. Yeah. They think differently. They march to a different tune. In fact, they got music you and I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And for those people who are just new to the term technocrat, can you give a simple definition of what that is? I sure can. I can take it right from their own literature. Back in 1938, the Technocrat magazine, they said back then that what it is, of course, it's a resource-based economic system, just like sustainable development, but they called it um, 
a scientific system of social engineering. Now, social engineering ought to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Yeah. Uh, that means using science and technology to engineer society. That means tell you and I what to do, micromanage us, uh, tell us what we're allowed to consume, what we're allowed to make, and so on, and allocate the resources of the world to poor old us. Mm. And, you know, they talk some way along the way, they talk about wealth distribution, you know, redistribution and stuff as if that's some kind of a noble goal. I got news for you. The, the people at the top of the pile right now, like the, like the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Elon Musk, I can pretty much guarantee you that they're not going to share one nickel of their fortune with you and I. Right, right. That is not going to happen. So whose wealth are they talking about redistributing? Well, there's a redistribution of wealth right now, all right, but what's happening is going from all the small businesses in the world that are left and they're getting driven out of business because of the pandemic, and that business is accruing to the global elite who have the, you know, the larger companies gobbling up all the resources and filling the vacuum and stuff. They are getting richer and we are getting poorer. Now, that's redistribution of wealth. It is. And that's Communism, that's just grabbing everything in sight and sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah, well, and this goes right along with a lot of people's fears and a lot of people's suspicions that, yes, there is a Wuhan virus and, yes, it has affected many people. But on the other hand, we have seen in the hands of some of these tyrannical politicians, in my estimation, using the occasion of the pandemic for all sorts of nefarious things. And this is where it's headed. And what I find really interesting, Pat, is how when the Justin Trudeau video made the rounds, you had all these leftists immediately jump in. Oh, this is just a conspiracy theory, which is ironic because, as you've said, they've already laid it all out. It's not a theory at all. We're going to come back after this break with Patrick Wood. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Stay with us. Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Candace talks about finding out she was pregnant. Thankfully, an ultrasound provided by Preborn allowed her to hear her baby's heartbeat. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. Preborn currently has seven centers without ultrasound machines. Would you make a leadership gift and sponsor a machine today? These life-saving machines cost $15,000, more than most centers can afford. But right now, through a matching grant, your donation of $7,500 will place a machine in a needy women's center in your area. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. 
Open enrollment is here, and choosing a health care program is an important decision for you and your family. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up now with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward health other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. You can find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Great to have you with us and wonderful to have with us Patrick Wood. We are discussing this issue of technocracy and in particular the Great Reset. You might have heard that term. It was announced back in June at the World Economic Forum. Boy, we need to move in a new direction. And one of the driving points of all of this has been the pandemic. Pat, let's talk about that a little bit because I saw one chart in an article that you had put at your website, technocracy.news, which everybody needs to read. And it starts with with fear, how they get this to work. It starts with fear. What have your observations been about how the pandemic has been used for the purposes of technocracy? Well, it was engineered from the very beginning, as far as I'm concerned. And I track this. Well, I say I'll back up a bit. I've been tracking the global warming crowd for a long time. They're the ones that that told us that we're all going to die, you know, in five years or 10 years, whatever because the seas are going to rise and if we don't do something right away we're you know we're all dead. Yeah. I follow people fanatics that they are um, to understand you know what they're doing where they're going with this and so on and it pretty much fizzled out at the end of last year. The same crowd that brought us all that global warming hysteria are the people who have brought us the great panic of 2020. That's my term by the way. Yeah. Um, with with covid being at the middle of it. And it's just not more complicated than that. It's just a different horse, but it's the same rider. And so we see the same type of sloppy pseudoscience being used, in some cases developed by the very same people that developed it, uh, you know, the the modeling and so on for global warming, the same people involved here. Really? And, you know, if if you look back at at the United Nations and figure out they've had it in for capitalism and for enterprise for a very long time. And I think on one program we talked about uh, Christiana Figueres having said that the United Nations has a timetable and an intention to change the economic model in the world. Mm -hmm. They said it outright, Mm -hmm. just point blank. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is what they're doing right now with this. And so I, you know, you ask the bigger question, since this is a global thing right now, it's not just America. Right. Got to look beyond America to see the whole world. The whole world's in the same boat, in some cases worse than us. Who has the power and the, and the chutzpah to shut down the whole global economic system? Who has that kind of power? Is it, could it be Democrats? Could it be Republicans? Well, those are just American phenomena. Could it be the European Union? I don't think the rest of the world let them get away with it. Well, how about Justin Trudeau? He's a rat. Uh, maybe he did it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think he has that much power. No. 
Well, you see, somebody has enough clout to shut down the global economic system, and they've used COVID to do it. It's just a prop. It's not, it's, the, these people are not concerned about your health, my health, or saving lives or anything else. It's just a bald-faced coup d'etat of these technocrats who have been laying in wait for all these years for an opportunity to finally kill capitalism once and for all, and out of the ashes will rise the great phoenix bird, you know, the yeah. great reset, uh, building back better. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening today. Yeah. So would you go so far as to believe that even the creation of the virus, I'm not necessarily going tinfoil hat here, just asking the question. There are people who say, was this pandemic actually orchestrated in order to set all of this off? Would you go that far or what do you think? I wouldn't go that far. Partly because I just don't know, and partly because they don't need to engineer it necessarily. Yeah, this has been proven that this uh, particular virus is floating around is no worse than many viruses we've had in the past, including the Hong Kong flu in 1968, <laughs> which I survived. Wow. And uh, you know, the statistics now are in that show there really isn't uh, much more than just a really bad flu, if anything, floating around. This is not, if this were an engineered bio, you know, uh, bioweaponized virus, it would be killing millions and millions of people around the world. Sure. I can just virtually guarantee you. These people know how to create those kind of viruses, and they have, yeah. I believe. I don't have any problem with that. I think, they, I think China's capable of doing anything as far as genetic engineering is concerned. But did they do it with this? It's not necessary to do it with this. All they needed was the excuse and the plausibility to get people panicked and stampeding in the same direction. Yeah. Well, they have. They've done a masterful job. It, and so everybody panicked and stampeded. You're right about that. And you said something very significant a few minutes ago, and that is these big companies have cashed in. I mean, look at how much Amazon's been making during the pandemic and Walmart, these big box stores and and all of these, you know, tech companies, they've been doing great. All of this has been going on at the expense of the small business owners. And what's weird to me, and I'm curious to find out what you make of this. Here we are eight months into the pandemic. We know lockdowns don't work because we have the statistics on what happened in those states in particular that had very severe lockdowns like California. It didn't do anything to the COVID rates. And then you had the mask mandates. Now we have studies showing the masks basically don't do anything. And yet you have, you know, this two-tiered system. We'll let the abortion clinics stay open, but all the churches have to stay closed and the small businesses aren't essential. Why are people putting up with this when their livelihoods are at stake and more importantly, their freedom is at stake. You know, that's the whole nature of fear. And there have been plenty of studies in the past done on what happens when humans um, get a really big dose of fear and then that turns into panic. Uh, what happens is you become suggestible when somebody has that fight or flight uh, syndrome going on, they're scared, the, you know, the, the grizzly bear is chasing them down the street. Um, <laughs> You will take any, basically any suggestion that somebody throws out to you. And these social engineers know that. They've used this technique. This is a well-known technique in the psychological world. And, in fact, in, in, in the, the military world, too, they use these techniques on people. Well, this is what's happened. The suggestions that have come from, um, you know, from the global elite to, um, uh, you know, to put all these policies in place, 
people just go say, wow, I, we got to do something. I guess this is what we got to do, so we better do it. And they don't, they don't question it. Their, their mental screen has been lowered, and they're vulnerable to receive these ideas and suggestions without any checking, without any common sense at all. And we see this all over the planet. It's not just an American phenomenon. No, you're right about that. But now we have terms like the new normal, which I don't like the sound of that. We have the dehumanization aspect of masks, social control. Yep. We have the issue of, you know, all of these things that are going on, kind of the demoralization of people. That seems to be one of the side effects, I would say, of how they've handled the pandemic in many instances. I was just at O'Hare Airport a couple of days ago. It was empty. There was nobody there. There were hardly any flights. And I thought, why are people putting up with this? This is going to destroy not just the obviously the airline business. It's going to destroy the whole economy. And now it seems that that has been extended to the fight, it would seem, over the presidential election. What's going on with Trump? Is that part of it, too? The hatred, the vitriol, the demonizing of Donald Trump? Is that is he really just the symbol of capitalism and nationalism that they see as this great enemy they have to defeat? You know, I think Trump said it right once upon a time. They're not after him. They're after us. Yeah. I don't think it's about Trump, honestly. It's just, just a person. Uh, Trump represents a lot of people in America. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to over-glorify him in this, but his his position and his ideas, et cetera, represent a lot of people in America. These are the people that are still thinking liberty and freedom, and that is anathema to the global elite. We're the last planet on Earth who elevates liberty and freedom. Yeah as something to be concerned about. Nobody else, just us. So we have to be taken out of the way as a people. We have to be taken out of the way. Our country needs to be destroyed. Our economy, of course, the global economy is being destroyed right under our nose right now. But we in particular uh, cannot be around on the other side of the Great Reset. That's just not acceptable to these people because they know they'd fail. Right. Right. But you look upon a Biden presidency as being right in line with this agenda, don't you? I absolutely do. And, I, and uh, having said that, I think technocracy at large has made tremendous strides, even though President Trump has been president for the last four years. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of like either way we take it right now, we're still in for a lot of trouble in the future. And it doesn't re- it's not really a, a political issue like whether it's going to be Biden or Trump. All of the other infrastructure that's in place right now is all over the country. All of this Agenda 21, 2030 Agenda, infiltration for the United Nations, it's colored the entire fabric of our of our nation, and that's not going away because somebody at the top says it should. It's going to only go away because citizens on the ground level drive it out of their own communities and get rid of these ideas once and for all. And so far, that's kind of starting to happen, but it hasn't really happened very much yet. I hope we get to that point. Yeah, I do, too. Do you think that people have wisened up a bit to the climate change nonsense? I mean, with all of the scandals that have come out of the uh, University of East Anglia, climate change, uh, you know, the scandals of climate gate and so forth. Are, are people getting wiser to that? Or do you think people are still falling for that whole sustainable development, the climate change? We've got to save the planet stuff. I mean, you mentioned last year, you know, the, 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 there was kind of a sea change a little bit. But where do you think that stands in the minds of the American people right now? I think I don't think most people know enough about the whole topic really to have um, a, a correct opinion of, of much of anything relating to the things we're talking about. Yeah. Um, 
the 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 argument over the science and global warming was totally futile. You look back on it and you say, well, what, where did it get anybody? There were 30,000 scientists at one point that signed a petition that said that global warming is nonsense. And you know what? It got nullified. It got thrown out. It got spiked. It got censored everywhere. And you won't see anything about that anymore. Well, I've got news for anybody that's looking at this. It ain't about the science. You're never going to win an argument with these people based on the quote-unquote science because they don't give a rip about the science. They never did. It's never been about science to them. It's been about social engineering. It's been about sustainable development, which essentially is technocracy. You're totally right. Pat, hang on. We're going to go to another break. We'll be right back with Pat Wood talking about the Great Reset here on Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, we better pay closer attention to the Great Reset than we have in the past because it is coming and it is a monumental potential shift in the world economy. The World Economic Forum back in June announced the Great Reset. You can go on their website. You can read all about it. And basically, that's the end of capitalism if they get their way. And Patrick Wood is with us. He's the author of Technocracy Rising and editor-in-chief of Technocracy News and Trends. Technocracy is what would replace capitalism in their scheme of things. Pat, what would technocracy look like if they got their way? Let's just take the United States of America since that's where we live. What would technocracy look like in terms of private property, in terms of what we do for a living, whether or not we can own a business, how we would able would be able to live our lives? There would be no private property, number one. That, uh, that has never been in the agenda, whether it be for the original technocracy definition back in the 1930s or the sustainable development definition with the United Nations. Uh, the UN is completely against private property and would eradicate all private property rights if they could. Um, <clears throat> we see uh, basically a future where where we will be cared for like animals in a pen. Um, and, and in other words, things would be made for us and allocated to us enough to you know keep us going. And we would be worker bees in factories and stuff, and you know receive some type of remuneration from it. But they never ever even uh, you know, define any type of currency that could be saved, um, that could be inherited. <laughs> they wanted to do all that kind of thinking and control everything by controlling energy. Well, of course, energy is what makes an economic system go. So if you control the energy, you control all economic output and all economic activity. So people individually, uh, I've called it and other people have too, a, 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 a setback to neo-feudalism mm-hmm. um, where a few people own everything and 98% or 99% of the people own nothing. And they live at the instance of the people who own everything. Yeah. Uh, this is exactly where it's headed. And other, other than that, everything will be run by science, by, by, um, uh, by algorithm, by AI and, you know, automatic, um, 
calculations and stuff on which way you should jump, I guess. You see this in China with China's social credit system right now. It's, you know, I don't, the people are kind of learning how to cope with it, how to get around it sometime, but it's totally draconian. And once you're trapped in a system like that, you can't get out. That's the problem. <laughs> there's nobody to protest to. Yeah. You know, there's nobody to get your hands around your neck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just it's a big algorithm in the sky and you just don't know where it's coming from, but you will suffer the effects of it when it tells you to turn left, turn right or whatever. Yikes. So this is a, a very bad vision of utopia, and that's why we talk about dystopia a lot, because really it's just the opposite. Right. Well, now in China, of course, they have the, the Chinese Communist Party here in the United States. We still have a constitution. We still have a declaration of independence. We have our freedoms on paper. You know, we have a system that is not set up the way China is. Seems to me that if you tried to take away everybody's private property, you'd be setting off quite a bloody war. How in the world would they be able to take our private property without interring people, without killing people? I mean, just to be practical on the ground, how in the world would they pull that off without that? It's gonna, it would be very messy. It certainly will. But look how much private property has been lost just this year. Yeah. And just in the course of year, like you mentioned, how many, uh, how many uh, hundreds of thousands of restaurants, small businesses, bars and stuff have gone out of business, just poof, gone. Here today, gone tomorrow. Well, those, some of those people now are homeless even, you know, they, they have, <laughs> no, they run out of money and they just run out of everything. Right. Uh, they've been forced out. How many family farms have been lost in the last 20 years? Mm. Uh, where the factory farm is now the, uh, the, really the big thing and, and farmers are going out, uh, you know, going bankrupt today faster than they ever did uh, in the last 20 years. Uh, you have the same thing with manufacturing. Manufacturing in America especially has absolutely been just decimated. And it's still being decimated. Um, so we've seen this redistribution, quote unquote, of <laughs> wealth in our country. And you say, well, why didn't those people that were going out of business rise up and protest or something? Well, when you're going out of business, it's really hard to rise up and protest is all I can say. You have mm. to do it before you get to that point. Yes. And so far, people have figured that out. Yeah. Says, oh, well, oh restaurant down on the corner you used to really like to go to a pizza place or whatever you drive by is gone oh shoot man my favorite pizza place is gone and that's the last you think about it well multiply that by you know a hundred thousand and you got america yeah you do um, you do well but you still have other hurdles for example because you have national sovereignty you have constitutions you have governments in place you would have to have full cooperation it would seem or some kind of war like i mentioned before but also another part of this is you have people openly going on the internet now and talking about people who don't go along with our plan we'll line them up against the wall and shoot them you know you're supposed to take it as ha-ha but it's not very funny when you see somebody like AOC discussing this Trump accountability project. We're going to make enemies lists. They're more bold than they've ever been in saying some truly frightening things like that. They are. And that just I think that probably just shows their true color. The Marxist of this country, like the AOC, I believe she's heavily flavored with with Marxism. She's a useful idiot to these technocrats, Janet. She's yeah. not they're going to be the first ones to get thrown under the bus. They just don't know it yet. But when they crow about all the stuff that they're going to do and whatever, you have to look back in history a little bit. Every single revolution we can look at going back 150 years, 
the first thing the revolutionaries did when they came in, they took over the newspapers, they took over the radio stations, they took over the TV stations, and they completely wiped out people's ability to communicate. That's essential to a revolution. Okay, where does our media stand today? Well, it's pretty much shot. It's it's one-sided, except for a few programs. Conservative talk radio is still out there. Programs like yours are still out there. Um, what's happened to the First Amendment? Well, that's shot with holes right now, too, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> with free speech is a joke with all the censorship going on, et cetera. Churches are being shut down all over the country. Um, Jews are being persecuted in New York City now by uh, mayor uh, by the mayor de Blasio there. And, you know, you see all this stuff happening, you realize, well, wait a minute, the First Amendment's just about in tatters right now. And how are we going to uh, how are we going to communicate if they actually are able to completely destroy our First Amendment and all the rights we have in the First Amendment? Now, the framers of our nation knew that that without communication, we would not be a nation. These people know that this isn't lost on them. Americans, patriotic, patriotic Americans, don't get this point, yeah. but the left does. The Marxist elements do. Because once they've shut down the First Amendment and destroyed our ability to communicate, and that's what they're going to do. And that's why they're coming out making an enemy list. They want to get rid of conservative talk radio. If, if Biden gets in, you just watch the attacks that happen on free speech and you know conservative talk radio. They'll be gone in two or three years. I can almost guarantee it. Goodness. Um, wow. This is, this is how revolutions take place. They've got to control the narrative and then use the media to do that. Our media has almost completely been consumed by these people. And when, and it, but again, the goal is to tear down the economic system of the planet, not just to have some type of a Marxist revolution. That will not do. The people like the Jeff Bezos of the world and, you know, the Elon Musk of the world, they're not going to tolerate a bunch of people uh, you know, running around trying to impose some type of a socialist, communist, Marxist agenda. It does not fit their agenda. It never has, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, we're facing many, many troubles in America right now. And, and uh, Americans kind of are still scratching their head thinking, man, I sure hope Trump gets reelected so he can save our bacon. <laughs> well, he may get reelected. And I hope he does, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. But President Trump, even if he had another 20 years at this point to be president, he will never be in a position to save America in the hinterlands of America. Only the people can do that. And the people are not risen up yet. Yeah, to do that. Exactly. Well, and this is why I think it's so important to to hear from you and to educate people on technocracy, because, as you said, the average American doesn't know anything about it. We're going to come back. Pat Wood with us talking about the Great Reset. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today after this. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? 
good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal. Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Open enrollment is here, and choosing a healthcare program is an important decision for you and your family. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up now with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. You can find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. libertyhealthshare.org slash jmt. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, we had better wake up about this great reset. If you haven't heard about this, you need to. And that's exactly why we have Pat Wood with us, Editor-in-Chief of Technocracy News and Trends. And one of the things we were talking about with the World Economic Forum and its announcement in June, Pat, about the Great Reset, something else people ought to know is this Klaus Schwab has talked about a fourth industrial revolution, indicating basically that transhumanism would be part of this Great Reset. He said that the fourth industrial revolution will lead to a fusion of our physical, digital, and biological identities. And I thought, man, this is the stuff of Huxley. Here it is. Oh, yes, it is. And he's a fan of Huxley, by the way. Yeah. Um, We haven't talked about transhumanism, but let me, since you brought it up, let me put it to your listeners this way. Uh, Technocracy is to society. Remember, this is science of social engineering and scientific dictatorship. Science is to society what transhumanism is to people who live in that society. Hmm. They're both uh, joined at the hip, ideologically. Uh, Transhumanism has to do with the human condition. Technocracy has to do with societal condition. They were both both originally based on scientism. That's a topic we haven't introduced, but I know you know what that is, and you can probably talk about it pretty good. But scientism is a very evil uh, philosophy that was coined by a French philosopher by the name of Henri de Saint-Simon uh, back in the early 1800s. And it proposed that science was going to be the new God and the scientists and engineers were going to be the new priesthood. And he, he taught that to his disciples. Mm. And this is where, this is why he's called the father of technocracy, by the way, and transhumanism because of his elevation of science, the Godhood. This is in a very real way is a religion. 
I know we haven't documented that. Maybe you can do that on another program, but it is a religion in many, many ways. And people, you know, Christians especially should view this as an opposing religion to Christianity because it hates Christianity with a passion. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, and this, this is, yeah, and this is so important, Pat, because when we're talking about Bible prophecy and what the Word of God has to say about the last days and what happens with the tribulation, all of these things are in the minds of Christians saying, are we at the end? Is this the new world order? Is it happening in our time? Do you think we're there? I think we're knocking on the door, and but then again, I said that 20, 30 years ago, too. So, <laughs> you know, I, it looks like we're knocking on the door right now. And, and I have to say, certainly, more, more than ever before, I see more opportunities for the Lord to come. I look more, I look more uh, intently every day than I did before. Let me put it that way. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. It's going to be the day. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's disturbing, and it's also, I would say, openly demonic. I mean, it's demonic. When you look at how some of these people actually view the world and what they're willing to do to their fellow men and women and children in order to achieve their alleged utopia, it's flat-out evil. It's not just, we have an alternate idea, let's see if this makes the world better. Do you think most of these technocrats really are evil or do you think there are, you know, that's kind of a mixed blend of some people truly evil and some people just kind of caught up in the madness? I think so. I think that what you just said is probably uh, pretty uh, appropriate, you know, close to reality, but we need to remember that the God of this world is the one who is driving these. And, you know, Jesus himself looked at the Pharisees and said, uh, your father, the devil, <laughs> is yeah. what's driving you. Yeah. And whether they recognize it or not, they're certainly deceived. And, and we know that the, the God of this world is fueling all of this stuff that's going on right now. And it is absolutely pure evil. Uh, the, the, the mind of man cannot hardly understand uh, the things of God, much less the depths of evil uh, that exist in the world. And I think we're going to see more of this as time goes on in certain parts of the world. But we in America have been sitting on a on a you know a satin cushion for an awful long time, while the rest of the world has burned, while Christians have been killed and slaughtered, um, you know, while you know other religions, Jews have been persecuted, and just horrible wars and stuff have taken place that make no sense. Um, we've been very privileged in America to be spared all of that stuff. There's no reason I can't come to America and and quickly so. Yeah. And if anything, if 2020 has shown us anything. Is how fast the card the card game can change. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're right about right that. And, and you know what's interesting to me, and many people have commented on this as well. When you're talking about big tech in particular, censoring people and putting flags on tweets and suspending accounts, and it's all kind of arbitrary. Congress keeps hauling these guys in front of them for committee hearings, and never quite seems to do anything about it. I mean, to what extent are people in government kind of in on this a bit? Well, Janet, I, I have to I have to just put this bluntly: big government and big tech are in bed with each other. Yeah. <laughs> just, there's no other way to say it. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And so, for all the protesting that goes on, that's just show. And you're absolutely right. If there was any teeth to it, they would have already done something right. to stop or to shut them down. They have the means to do it. They could do it. That they're 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 our Congress for Pete's sake. They could do lots of stuff, but they don't do it. They just put on the dog and pony show for us to get mad at one side or the other 
and, you know, hope and we get suckered into thinking, oh, finally, somebody's going to do something about this. And, you know, six months later, nothing's happened. Right. Yeah. It just goes. Yeah. And and coupled along with that is the danger of having allegedly a free press, but everybody in the press is saying the same thing and not digging. And I say this as a former reporter, it drives me insane because this is not how we were trained in journalism school. That was not how you're supposed to do journalism, where you just do the bidding of one political party or one ideological side. You're supposed to be fair. You're supposed to be balanced and get the story. That's not going on. So people... You know, it's like the perfect storm, like you said. But what do we do? I mean, how do you go forward and how do you live your life and how do you fight back? So many people just are so lost in many ways when they see all the problems around us and say, Lord, what do we do other than cry out to you for mercy? In practical terms, what do you tell people? That's a good place to start, of course. Uh, Without direction from the Lord, you're going to get nowhere in life. And that's guaranteed. (laughs) Yes. Um, but I re- honestly, I think Americans uh, and especially Christians need to be out in the marketplace of ideas and they need to be taking their rightful place in society. And I don't mean that to say that, you know, we're going to dominate society or anything. I'm not in the seven pillars or anything like that. I'm just saying we're supposed to be salt and light in this planet and we're supposed to be out where we're visible. We're supposed to be mixing it up with people in the real world. Yeah. And we have good ideas because the Lord has given us a sound mind to, uh, you know, to have uh, the, the truth and to contain the truth and to be able to express it to other people. Well, this right now, everybody's hunkered down in fear and, you know, they're wearing their face masks, their social distancing. And I'm sorry, guys, but that is really antithetical to doing what we're supposed to do to be salt and light. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I can't see. <laughs> And you can't see my face. There ain't no communication taking place. Just that simple. Totally we right. We need to be out. Sit up. We need to. We need to get uh, get out where the people are, and start educating them and helping them and coming alongside of them and saying, "Hey, you don't have to be afraid of this. Let's talk it over, okay?" And you have a platform. There's tons of people that are so desperate for answers right now. They're literally just sheep wandering about without a shepherd. You're right about that. And and that's why I think it's been very important for a lot of these churches who have been shut down to fight back and say, I'm opening up. People are in despair in many cases. The suicide rate is yep. up and, you know, all these problems, depression, et cetera. We need to get the church open. We need to get the word of God into people. That, to me, is a crucial fight. Does it strike you the same way that that fight in particular is very important? This is the first element of the uh, First Amendment is the, the right to express uh, your own religion. And, and that's communication towards God, by the way. Uh, re- you know, church, religion. <clears throat> you have free speech, freedom of the press, the right to assemble uh, on down the line in the First Amendment. This is exactly why I started uh, Citizens for Free Speech in 2018. The first thing you come across in our Bill of Rights has to do with churches. Yeah. And the importance... This is the, the founders said that was the most important thing to them. In their mind, they put it first, and the first item was you need to maintain a relationship with your God. Right. And, and that's still true today. But what's happened along the way, yeah, we, yeah, we kicked prayer out of school, and you know, we let the, the abortion take over, and, and Christianity has gotten marginalized over the last uh, 50, 60, 70 years. Um, and, and, you know, that's a lot of the problem that we're having right now. 
No, I agree with you there. And it's important for God's people to continue to be that salt and light that you've talked about and continue to offer real hope to this world through the word of God and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you've got to go to technocracy.news. Keep up with all of the great work done by Pat Wood, editor-in-chief of Technocracy News and Trends, and also check out his book, Technocracy Rising. Fantastic book. Pat, we appreciate you so much. Thank you very, very much for being with us again. Thank you, Janet. I just love to be in your program. You, you always seem to have the right answers and the right understanding, the right questions, rather. And uh, that's, that's a breath of fresh air for me, because believe me, a lot of interviews are very difficult. <laughs> well, thank you, Pat. You are welcome back anytime. We always love having you. God bless you. Thanks a lot. And thanks for joining us on Janet Meffer today. We'll see you next time.